You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM, KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hello, sports fans. Well, hello there. Local sports, national sports. The GCAT has got you covered. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Time to tee it up and let it fly. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Check it out, George. It is Wednesday, December 7th. Elegance. Back in action tonight, taking on the Detroit Pistons. They played last night in Miami. They won by 20 against the Heat. I'll tell you about that key stat. I keep telling you about to keep paying attention to with these teams in this NBA season. Uh Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. It's hump day. Hump day. I know you can hear me. Let's get stupid. Today's more that what that camera Wednesday hump day is what it is. Hey, Shock G, the digital underground. Caleb the camel. And current. NFL analyst for Fox Sports, Sean Payton. Where's he going to coach? He better go coach somewhere. Need some picks. We'll talk Saints. We'll talk Pels. Words of wisdom. And it is Wednesday, so we like to take our tour around the state of Louisiana and hear from other talk show hosts and how their shows are going in terms of how the fan bases feel. Saints and Pels fans for sure. So Scott Prather will join us at 1230 from 103.3 The Goat. Bye-bye yet. Up at uh, 2.15, we go to Monroe. And we'll hear from Sean Fox. See how he's doing last week. I'm still laughing. Stomach still hurts from his... Uh, he just wanted to see some emotion, some reaction from D.A. He did when Cam Jordan made that play, right? We saw some reaction, saw some energy. We'll hear from Dennis Allen this segment. He spoke yesterday while the show was going on uh, towards the end of it. So we'll hear what he had to say about the fourth, uh, the third and one to consider going forward and fourth and one, defending Tom Brady late, timeout usage, Alvin Kamara, lack thereof usage, Mark Ingram stepping out of bounds, and finally the team message as they embark on a bye week. Also, we'll uh, focus on what is it that we're seeing in terms of I, we, we felt yesterday kind of fresh, I guess, off the loss about I what I thought. I thought the coaching, I thought the staff let that team down in that game. But Sean Fazan from Fox State's a lot better than I am looking at the video and the tape. And quite honestly, I had the birthday party yesterday and his birthday, so I didn't look at it. He did. So that's 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 uh. So it's the sign of a good show host, right? Get somebody that actually did it and can analyze it. So he's coming on at 12.15. What did he see? Like, what did he see? Was there anything specific? Because I'm going to play a bite here in a segment, and Dennis Allen's like, look, we move the ball. We just have to execute. He's still on the it's an execution thing, which is true. You have to catch the ball. You have to block. You have to not commit penalties. That's true. But I guess the greater question of the day is, is the team being put in the right situation and position consistently? They haven't made plays consistently. They haven't performed to their best of ability consistency. Look, it's a top to bottom thing as to why the team is, you know, four and, you know, whatever. So, so we'll do that here in our number one. Ralph Marlborough, he, he just simply texts me, I got thoughts. No idea what those thoughts are. I can only imagine. That's 115. Aaron Summers will join us, team reporter for the Saints and Pelicans. She will give us the latest on the Pels. The shoot-around is wrapping up, or has just wrapped up the latest. Who's in, who's out? The Pistons will likely be without one of their top players, Cade Cunningham. He's been out for a while, early to mid-November, shin soreness. And I just looked uh the latest update there. He's um, The team kind of considering that they're, they're wondering if they need to do the surgery thing. So he was putting up some shots yesterday at Miami. Didn't play, though. Uh, one player that did play was Bogdanovich. And if you remember yesterday, when we had the voice of the Pels, Todd Graffinini, he said, uh, that guy alone has had some big games against the Pelicans. So it's one of our questions of the data we'll throw out there. It's simple. Um, you know, who is key in this game here? Look, I just finished doing the Pels podcast with them. And I, I, I think tonight is one of those games where it's hard to not look at the Phoenix game coming up. 
right? Uh, on Friday and Sunday against the Suns, but you have to take care of business against teams I think you're better than. But I also told you yesterday, this is just where we are in the NBA. The three-point shot is giving teams a chance to sort of be to be in it, right? So if you face a team one night where they're hot from beyond the arc and you're not, it's going to be a closer game than you want it to be, or it's going to be a loss. 116-96 was the final Pistons over the Heat yesterday. 19-41 for Detroit. 10-32 for the Heat. They shot 41 threes, Detroit. They're just going to launch. They're second to last in Eastern Conference. They have seven wins. They're 3-11 and 11 away. Now, those three wins have been against some good teams. But, again, they're just going to launch away. If you don't have a guy like Cade cutting a light, just, to me, it's a simple defensive game plan if you're the Pels. You have to guard the art. Bogdanovich, the guy that Graf warned us about yesterday, 7 for 9 from distance, 12 of 16 from the field. He had 31 points. Next closest, Piston had 14. Sneak Bay off the bench. Their bench provided a lot of points yesterday. Joseph had 11. Burks, Alec, the Alec Burks in 22 minutes, 18 points. Guess how many threes he hit? Four. So, again, it's the three-point shot's going to be key tonight. Right? So, we'll take a look at that today and, and speak a little bit about that with Aaron as well and, and the health of the Pels. And to me, the other simple coaching game plan, it just, I think this is a game you ride Zion. Again, I, I'm looking at that roster. Who's, who's stopping Z down there? Um, if you're missing some players like you have been in, Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram, you see in Zion being able to distribute the basketball, take it up and down a court, Trey. I just, just keep doing what you're doing. I guess if that makes sense, huh? I know that doesn't sound like specific coach speak, but it, I, I'm being for real. Look, he's been filling up the box score and all kind of different statistics. You've gotten a lot of contributions from everywhere else. Just keep doing what you're doing. I do think at the end of the day, you have more players and more guys that can help you make plays and just put a player or two on the arc wherever Bogdanovich goes. I mean, that, that's your guy that you have to defend tonight, right? Seven threes. And you just hope, again, just the odds. I'm not a odds maker and I don't gamble at casinos and kind of look at numbers and all that stuff, but they made 19 yesterday. The odds that they make 19, I don't know. The Pels went one night when they made 18 and then 17, so it can happen. But they are coming off of a back-to-back. Um, again, who knows? Maybe they have their bellies full of gumbo and some fried fish or stuff. So that's coming up tonight, and we'll get a little bit more into that with Aaron. 2.15, Sean Fox, see how he's doing. As we said, and then at 2.30, Eric Alexander put a bow on the SC Championship, the upcoming bowl game. Recruiting's off and running. The portal, I saw a, uh, an article today. They have something like 200-plus uh, players that, that went in early back on Monday and stuff, and something around the lines of, like, there's a 100 quarterbacks in there as well. So just a lot of different things uh, about the college football season to tie in as we wait for bowl season to get going here in about a week and a half. So all of that is our guest list today. We'd love your comments, of course, 800-998-1003. L- little round of applause to you guys yesterday. Uh, we had a ton of calls. And, again, I have a very simple rule, including you-know-who. You call, I'll, I'll put you on. I'll put you on. And um, we love when we have a conversation. So let's hear from Dennis Allen here in segment number one. And he was talking about a handful of topics yesterday when he met with the media after looking at the tape. And what he thought after looking at the tape. So let's start there. It's the first thing he was asked. He saw the tape. What'd you think? Well, look, I thought number one, I thought I thought the effort was outstanding in the game. Um, how you go? You look at Cam Jordan, a twelve-year vet, running down the field like he did, punching the ball out. Um, you know, was was really impressive to see. I thought our guys played hard. I thought they competed. Um, you know, I felt like. Um, Offensively, I felt like we did some good things, um, and then yet, situationally, um, weren't as good as we needed to be. And so, um, 
feel like guys are still out there fighting their ass off and competing. Um, we just haven't gotten the results that we're looking for. I don't disagree with that last part. I think the effort was there. You did see guys go out there and try to win that game, which is why I said yesterday when I opened the show, I, I thought that was a game that kind of, you know, you keep an eye on on that locker room because I, I felt the staff let them down a bit, right? But decision-making, game management. Now, look, you didn't make some plays that you could have made. But, again, it, it, there there's a very real handful of reasons why this team hasn't won five games yet. Right? That's another question of the day. There's four left. After this bye week, you host Atlanta, at Cleveland, at Philly, and host Carolina. How many of those do you think you can win? Again, I give you my answer. I don't know. I don't know. We've seen the defense play well in two straight games. And the offense not help out. Go for three in the red zone, selling for field goals, dropping potential first and goal passes, touchdowns, not using Alvin Kamara. I, I don't know. I just I honestly don't know. And it's a lot of what your calls were yesterday. Y'all already looking at changing the staff for next year and things of that nature. Dennis Allen was asked yesterday, I think Catherine Terrell from ESPN, any thought to any changes whatsoever? little helping out, phoning a friend to the staff. That's what he said. No, I don't see any dramatic changes, uh, you know, happening. Um, you know, when you're sitting in, in, in uh, really going into week 14, we played 13 weeks, um, and we're going into our 14th game, um, I don't think any drastic changes are are, are, are you know what's going to fix, um, you know, the win loss column. I think I think our I think our execution. Um, I think I think us as coaches, players, everybody. I think we've all got to uh, just keep grinding and working to improve. All right. So some specifics in the game. But actually, one more before specifics. Does he still have the confidence in the office? He he was asked about this as well. Confidence in the office, the coaches, your philosophy, the staff, the play calling, all of that. Yeah, look, I mean, again, you know, when you look at when you look at that game, um, you know, we're sitting at five point three yards per play. They're at four point seven. You know, like we're we're moving the ball, we're doing some good things offensively, uh, but yet we have a couple opportunities to make some plays. We don't make them. Um, and then, and then situationally, we've got to, we've got to be better. Um, look, I've got confidence in, in, in our offense. I got confidence in, in what we're doing. I think we just, ha- we just have to be more consistent in what we're doing. All right. So there you go. More consistent when they're playing well, I guess, and when they do well. About specifically on a couple of plays, the Mark Ingram stepping out of bounds. Well, yeah, I think I think there was definitely an opportunity for him. Look, he he, uh, he made a nice play. It looked like he kind of you know came out of the cut and and you know he kind of tweaked his knee a little bit uh, earlier in the game. I think he kind of felt it right there and, and and lost track of where the sticks were. But um, you know, obviously, it was a big play in the game. And 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 uh, look, Mark's been a good big part of. You know, what we've done here at the Saints for a long time. And, and, uh, you know, I think we all looking back would, would have hoped that maybe he would have been able to get that first. Now, I don't know how this is going to sit well or, or with you guys, much less well. He was asked right after that clarification. I think it was Jeff Duncan is like, or it might triplet. It was one of those, um, reporters that asked specifically, was he cleared to play? What, why was Ingram? In there, not Kamara, and I said this yesterday reading their tweets. Uh, Alvin's helmet had come off apparently, and you, you remember what I said yesterday. I'm like, well, then call a timeout if, again, you had a player that was clearly holding his knee when he went down a couple plays earlier. Dennis Allen was asked, was he cleared to play? He said yes. He was medically cleared to play. Ian Rappaport one hour ago tweeted, Saints running back Mark Ingram suffered a slight tear of his MCL in the loss to the Bucks. 
Sources say, knocking him out indefinitely, likely ending his season. He's out four to six weeks, but no surgery. With the regular season only being five more weeks, Ingram is almost certainly done. Something like that is not going to help the perception of what is going on over there when it comes to injuries. You saw him go out and then take a knee, and he felt something. Now, again. It's easy to say they blew it again. You don't have an MRI on the field. But they cleared him back. He had a MCL slight tear. I think that's the same season in a nutshell, huh? Sean Fazan from Fox 8 next on ESPN New Orleans. It's that festive time of year, and Greg LeBlanc Toyota has your Christmas and New Year's deals. Come by Greg LeBlanc Toyota and put something nice under the tree. Toyota-thon is going on now until the end of the year. Come by the store at 2020 South Hollywood Road in Homa or online at GregLeBlancToyota.com and view the inventory and specials. New cars arriving daily. Reserve your new Toyota at Greg LeBlanc Toyota. The great deals are waiting for you now at 2020 South Hollywood Drive in Homa. Greg's got the deals just for you. So come on by today. It's Gus Cattengill with the Sports Hangover inviting you to join us for Thursdays with the crew of Katie's. Every Thursday we'll be live at a member of the Katie's family of restaurants from 12 to 3. When the Sports Hangover is at Katie's on Iberville, you're going to enjoy Sports Banner. It'll be lively and delicious eats. Swamp Fries, Oysters Schlesinger, the Delta Queen, or if you dare, tackle the barge. A three-foot loaf of fried catfish, shrimp, and oysters. Good luck. It's Thursdays, 12 to 3, the Sports Hangover with the crew of Katie's on ESPN New Orleans. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. If you've never been to a Rouse's Market during the holidays, we'd like to officially invite you. We're your fresh seafood market for your casseroles and dressings, your full-service butcher shop with Cajun specialties, your place to get your complete holiday dinner. Above all, we're a family-owned grocery store that supports our community so you can feel really good about shopping for your holiday meal without running around town to check off your list. The best stuff for the holidays is right here at Rouse's. That man's got some stones. Believe me, he is no wood. His legend lives on. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. 800-998-1003. That is the Upper Cervical Family Contract Hotline for guests and callers. We'll chime into the show. Starting out this afternoon here on this Wednesday with Sean Fazan. Fox 8 Sports covers the Saints and everybody else. And he is the guy to go to to help me understand what I saw on Monday night, Sean. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well, man. Yesterday, it was nonstop calls, a lot of frustration by the fan base. As you watch that unfold, I guess I'll ask you the question that I openly asked yesterday. Where and when do you think the Saints lost that game? Well, it happened. They unraveled right after the a strong case could be made with the step out of bounds uh, on second and eight when there was a clear-cut pass uh, to get that first down. And that's the, from that point on, they were never the same. Through the incompletion on the next play, uh, the 531 mark, they pointed back. And then from there, Brady and the Bucks took over. And that was including a near interception on the first play of their offensive drive where they scored that first touchdown where they went 91 yards after these 10 plays. Mm-hmm. That's where it started. And when it when it started rolling downhill, the Saints could do nothing to stop it. It was more of, let's hold on for dear life, hope it doesn't kill us. Unfortunately, they got burned, and they got burned in heartbreaking fashion, Gus. I happen to be you know, on the road in the press box. A lot of times, the visiting media and you know team personnel are in any pretty kind of same area in close quarters. I mean, we're all in the press box together, and behind, uh, behind me was Jeff Ireland, Mickey Loomis, Kai Harley, those guys. And you could just feel... 
the tension when they were winning. They wanted to win that game so bad. They knew how badly they needed to have that win. And then, you know, when it kind of all fell apart, obviously uh, no one was happy about it. So it's just a bad situation. And honestly, now, I, I, other than just mathematics, your, your, your season is done. And it's just uh, the reality hits you like that. And, and mm-hmm. in the Saints case, it hits you uh, in devastating fashion. But really, it was their own undoing. Sean, I I don't know if this is fair or not. I opened the show yesterday and said, "Look, fans want to see effort. Media will will always go away. They, they play hard. I think we saw that. We we saw the effort. Even Da yesterday referenced the play by Cam Jordan. We saw Demario get an interception. We, we saw a lot of that. They did move the ball down the field. I agree with him. And then the things that have helped keep this team to just four wins: the penalties, the lack of execution, dropping a pass by Lavide could have been at least three. Landry, you could argue, would have been a touchdown if he makes that grab. I get that. The Ingram thing, which I'll ask you here in a quick second with the Ian Rappaport report. I get that. But I opened the show yesterday. I, I just had that feeling that I felt like the staff let this team down late in that game by game management and lack of understanding what to do at that moment, whether it's personnel calls, that third and one, that it's a slant to Callaway, I'm not disrespecting he or the fullback, but DA's telling us the play was either the fullback or Callaway. I'm not being disrespectful. They don't sell jerseys. I, that needs to be 41. That needs to be 12. That needs to be five. I just, I, I felt like that was a game that the staff blew. A- am I being too harsh? Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. I thought the, you're not being too harsh. I, I, I would agree. The, the, the collapse at the end had just as much to do with the coaches as it did with the players. I mean, you know, you throw the ball in that third and one, you have to understand that situation. The clock is your ally. So even if you don't make it and there's a uh, run that comes up short, the clock keeps running. You have to either Tampa Bay's having to burn a timeout or at the very least, you're burning at least 30 to 40 seconds on that play, which as we saw was very valuable at the end of the game. If they'd have had 30 or 40 less seconds, Tampa Bay, I'm talking about. Uh, and then, obviously, the personnel grouping, A, on that play was just weird. And then, B, you go back to that second down play, that second down sack, which really got me because this is not the first time they got caught in a weird personnel grouping. They tried to execute a play to a player that simply is just – that's not what they do best. When I saw the the grouping of, of multiple tight ends with Taysom Hill, right. Kamara in the backfield, and then Kurt Merritt, uh, not a starting wide receiver on the field, and they tried to pass play, it just – it. it, it they all think themselves. They all thought themselves, and it came back to catch them. And then, you know, you talk about, you know, defensively what they were doing. You know, that 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 pass interference play. I went back and looked. I believe that is the only time they rotated into that three deep zone. They had been running kind of that two high safety thing uh, for most of that those last two drives. And had you had a second safety back there, and not just one, um, you may have been in a situation where. Marcus May looking to the opposite side of the field wouldn't have mattered because they would have had another another safety on that half of the field. So, look, man, I, I felt like uh, it was a complete collapse from the coaching to the to the players executing on the field. Players, by the way, that really had executed pretty well, especially yeah. defensively, for the first 55 minutes of that game. And it was unfortunate to see. But, you know, Gus, a loss like that, prime time, game you had to have, given the opponent, it's going to force significant change. I don't know if that means the head coach, but I do think significant change is going to come based off that loss. There's no other way to look at that, right? I mean, Sean, because what's crazy is we had a caller yesterday, and I forgot the name. It might have been Uncle Earl, but what's remarkable is this. I mean, we can go into the the breakdown, right? I mean, 0 for 3 and 3rd down. I mean, in the red zone, you had opportunities to score touchdowns. He's settling for 3. I mean, we can talk specific game things. But I think there's a larger issue, Sean, and I think it's that in less than a calendar's time, Sean said goodbye and had his presser, what, February, right? Mm-hmm. So in less than 12 months' time, go back to what he said at that presser about the team logos. And he referenced the Steelers and what it meant. He had built the Saints to where you see that logo, you see someone wearing the jersey or a hat or something, and you just felt a certain way about that team. And, man, that's gone. I mean, it, it, I don't know if you're listening to our show and stuff, but, Sean, that's gone. There's no confidence in this team. There's no confidence from this fan base for the future. You're looking at play on the field that you're just scratching your head. Like, that's gone. And the season isn't even ended. 
I think that's something to consider at the end of the year if you're management. I absolutely agree. I also think what's killing me, Gus, is the stunning amount of concentration lapses in key moments of situational football, not from rookies, but from veterans. You saw the Mark Ingram play. Um, two fumbles last week, obviously, with Alvin Kamara. A false start penalty by Ryan Ramchek early last week. Uh, you saw uh, uh, Jarvis Landry with the draw. I know Olave had one as well. Rookies happen. But, yeah, you got to make that catch. But still, it's not just, oh, this is a young team. No, that this is key veterans that you're counting on. All of a sudden, it's like the focus is just inconsistent. It's not there. The concentration's not there. Well, look, missing field goals uh, last week, obviously. He's missed, what, six on the season. Obviously, he made three this week, and certainly that, that helps. But it, 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 I don't know. What, all of a sudden, the focus and concentration in situational football, something they all used to master, it's just gone out the window, um, and that's probably more than anything else uh, the biggest reason why they're 4-9 right now because that's what it boils down to, Gus. I mean, right. the best team in the world, I say this all the time, the best team in the NFL and the worst team in the NFL, in my opinion, is separated by about a touchdown. I mean, that's how, that's how close it all is. Agreed. You have to master situational football in order to win, and they have just completely flunked. Yeah, and that's what Sean excelled at, right? I mean, he wasn't perfect the yep. entire time, but you can look at analytics, when to go forward, when to not. And I go back to earlier in the year when he was on the Colin Coward show and he said, when you play guys like Mahomes, like Allen, you mentioned Brady, you have to coach different, which is why you're seeing a lot of people the last 24, 48 hours referencing why didn't you go for it on fourth and one and things of that nature. Look, that again, we can talk about game stuff. The Ian Rappaport report about an hour ago that Mark Ingram suffered a slight tear to the MCL. DA said yesterday he was cleared to come back into play. This isn't the first player this season medical injuries and players missing time, being misdiagnosed, going on IR, not on IR. It's been an issue. That's also, I think, something that has to be addressed in the offseason. Add it to the list, right? <laughs> I, it's, organizationally, it's like all of a sudden, it's just uh, an organization that was the epitome of being on solid ground. All of a sudden, just feels wobbly and flimsy a little bit. It's like, what, what's going on here? I mean, from every step, I mean, from the top. I mean, you talk about some, some decisions Loomis has made. You talk about uh, medical decisions. You talk about timing of certain injuries when it comes to diagnosing injuries, and you could tell when he came. Look, he went in the game. You know, Jeff Duncan had had tweeted out that the prior the play prior, Alvin Kamara lost his helmet, so Ingram went in the game. Yep. But you could tell the second he caught that ball, he was hurt. I mean, immediately, he, immediately right when he caught it, you can just tell by that by his stride uh, that he was hurt. Um, so was it on him for being in the game, or was it on the coaches for being in the game? Uh, yeah, obviously, if he was hurt. But when you're in the game, you got to execute the play and. As I watched that play probably 50 times, and I was sure you have, Gus, I mean, Devin White was conceding the first down on that play. I mean, yeah. all he had to do was just carry his momentum through, and he runs right past the first down marker and out of bounds. Instead, there was a deliberate attempt to step out of bounds a yard before, and it just kind of was, I don't know if you want to call it a microcosm of the season, but it just it was just par for the course with the 2022 Saints. It's almost like that's the picture you may use when you come and write your recap on the blog, right? I mean, that makes sense. Right. I mean, there it is right there. There's the first down. There's the, the way to keep you alive in the season. Mm -hmm. And you don't even extend the football. I mean, and again, and I said this yesterday, Sean, I'm never going to put myself in a situation where I'm a player and I feel an injury and I know what I would do, right? But mm -hmm. so what I said yesterday was, if I'm DA, though, and I see that, I know that my guy is probably nicked up. And, I, and, and Alvin's helmet is off. You're up 16-3. Use a timeout. Like, I'm not at the point in the game where I'm going, I need to conserve it because if I go down, I'm going to need some time, which, by the way, they didn't call timeout on those two bucks drive. So that's what I mean when I say situationally and something that you have to address in the offseason as to whether or not that's your right guy. If, if, if 41's not there... I'm calling timeout, knowing that my back may be injured, if that's the play, or call another play. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't make sense to me. It just kind of, it kind of just feels like just lack of organization, if you will, or just um, lack of situational awareness, or you know, maybe they just trusted Mark to go out there and execute the play. And the play was the correct one, by the way. It was a, it was a properly executed play. It did not finish uh, the way it was supposed to finish. Um, Again, add it to the list, Gus. I mean, I'm sure it's going to all go into the off-season evaluation, um, as will a lot of things. But uh, it, you sit here, what, December 7th, yeah. and you're just not used to this sort of situation where you just feel like the season's over 
know, before you get to Christmas. That was probably the best thing about Peyton. As much as the 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 wins were great and the constant, you know, playoff appearances, it was there were no meaningless Decembers. Even in years they were bad. You're right. And this feels like it's gonna be a meaningless December. That's a great point. Uh in about thirty to sixty seconds here, how many people are talking to you about Pelicans basketball right now? It's starting to change. It's starting to really pick back up. The discuss with the Saints, I think they probably hit their breaking point this past Monday night. It's starting to really change because you're starting to see those victories pile up. And, man, that looks like that's, that's the team that's got the right culture, the right fit. Um, man, that just looks like an organization on the rise. And, man, it's amazing. They share the same campus. And right now, two strikingly different, uh, I guess, images of both. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what a caller said yesterday, Sean, and you'll understand. <laughs> he literally said, I think it was Lee. He wants a barrier in the middle of the locker room. I mean, uh, the parking lot. He doesn't want Saints players anywhere near the facility. <laughs> he wants them banned. He doesn't want to share the same cafeteria. He literally said he doesn't want anything of th- that the Saints to do to go anywhere near and contaminate the Pelicans building. <laughs> would you have ever thought you would have heard that from callers, right? Never. And amazing how how it's flipped 180. I mean, mm-hmm. for years it was the exact opposite. Now you got callers literally saying stay away from yeah, the Pelicans no. facility because – you don't want to infect it. So, man, just tough times. Tough times right now for the Saints. Yep, and it all starts with uh, the offseason, but you got four weeks left, so let's see what happens here. Sean, in five seconds, how many games do they win out of the four? I said I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to be optimistic. I'll give them six. I saw two of the four, so six total for the year. Okay. How about that? There it is. That's fair. Sean yeah. Fazan, Fox 8, the way to follow on Twitter. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate the time today. All right, bud. Yep. We'll go to Lafayette. We'll talk with Scott Prather, see what Acadiana feels about both the Saints and Pelicans and the Cajuns. They're getting ready for their bowl game as well. Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. Home Health Services in South LaFouche are vital right now. Look no further than Lady of the Sea Home Health, where the sick, the elderly, and the homebound. Our caring staff makes each day a little brighter, a little better. With quality health care and warm, genuine support, you and your loved ones are the most comfortable, content, and independent in your own home. Speak to your physician today about Home Health Services from Lady of the Sea. Call 985-632-6900 for more information. Quality health care locally for you. Do you have a pest control problem? Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies has an experienced staff that can guide you with the products to use yourself for your home or business. They carry a full line of professional products for termites, mosquitoes, ants, wasps, fleas, bedbugs, mice and rats, or any other pest control needs you may have. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. Call 985-475-3314. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. At the Home Depot, we have the tools to make gift-giving magic for all the DIYers on your list. If they prefer working on real homes over gingerbread houses, you can't go wrong with Makita Power Tools, like the 18-volt 2-tool kit for only $249, or the 18-volt compact circular saw for only $139. Get everything you need to get it done with new lower prices on Makita Power Tools only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Nyler loved working in IT, but he wanted more. I knew I could make more money if I was certified. His boss encouraged him to go to My Computer Career. My manager knew that I'd be more valuable. The experience was top-notch. I was able to take classes on my laptop. Now I I can work from home. You can get into IT uh, within less than a year. Become an IT pro in just months with zero experience at mycomputercareer.edu. Check out My Computer Career. If I can do it, I know anybody can. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. This is one student's experience. Individual results vary. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Scott Prather providing the right sounder for this conversation. Is that the, is that the, the bell tolls there? Is that it? Is that, uh, is that the end is nigh kind of thing? What's up, Scott? How are you today? Man, it, it, it kind of feels like it. I mean, as far as, well, I'm sure we'll get into it. I'm doing great, Gus. How are you? I'm glad you're doing fine. I'm doing fantastic. I, and I said this yesterday. I was not 
that upset or bothered because I knew it was only one more day into Pelicans basketball. I can't wait to get back into that arena tonight (laughs) and see what it's like. I'm serious. Let me Um, say something, bro. I mean, at 10.45 on Monday night, I never wanted a Pelican game to tip off more. (laughs) I was just like, I I wish they were playing in Hawaii right now and tipping off at an odd time because I – I, I can't escape what the Saints did to me anyway. But, yes, I'm, I'm, it's Pelicans game day, baby. Let's go. I'm in, and um, and we'll end with that so we can end in a little better mood, man. But I just talked with Sean Fazan from Fox A. We kind of broke down some of the aspects of the game and, and some of the other elements surrounding this team. But we had, I don't know, Buddy told me 30 to 39 calls yesterday in between guests and coaches. What, what was it like yesterday morning for you? From Acadiana, uh, being disgust, you know, anger, um, uh, uh, hopelessness. I mean, all of that just roll it into one. Not, you know, I was, I was chapped. I was yelling. I had some callers that were mad at others that were just, you know, uh, kind of just dumb. I mean, it, you, you. You don't have expectations for this team. I didn't. I wasn't expecting them to turn the season around, and I warned everyone. I'm like, look, they're going to they're gonna be the Bucks, but don't be fooled because they're going to blow it after the bye. And, and Doug me got roped into it, and mm-hmm. I was just off on the timing. They decided to give everyone a lot of a lot of Saints fans anyway a lot of pain, but they did it all in one night. I mean, they they dominated a game for the most part for 50 minutes, and yet it's it's one of the more agonizing defeats franchise history so that kind of that kind of sums up the season in a lot of ways and, and the Dennis Allen tenure as head coach to this point when when you look at the game and we, we can get into it I'll ask you your your two three plays because that's the question yesterday where and when and how do you think the Saints lost that game but we had a caller yesterday reference the uh, Maybe the bigger picture and something just as important when it comes down to Mickey Loomis and Gail Benson sitting down and going over this season. In less than 12 months' time, the culture, the way that this franchise is viewed, because that helps you with free agents. That helps you with attracting the right coaches if you wanted to go. Like, it's changed so much in less than 12 months to where it is now. I think that's as big a factor as your win-loss record. Yeah, and I think that's a surprise because coming into the season, you knew Sean Payton was gone, but what did we all talk about? You've got a good culture. You've got a good locker room. And and maybe they still do because despite how bad the season has gone, Gus, you've never gotten the sense that the players have thrown in the, the white towel. Like, they're playing hard. We'll see what happens out of the bye. But it's it's you know so then you, you go back to coaching and I, I don't know that like I don't I don't think Dennis Allen should be the coach next year that's just me I also don't know that just a new head coach is suddenly going to fix everything either you know there there are some inherent things with this team right now that's Good unfortunately point. heading in the wrong direction yeah. and and you know but but culture is one thing that you know you saw it last year all the bad things that happened. It was still like, man, the culture kept this team together. They finished with a winning record. How did they do it? Go back and look at everything they did, you know, that, that went against them this year. And this year, man, like, I don't know. The, I think to have a strong culture, you have to have strong accountability. And that's something that they've had for, you know, the previous five years Good when point. they were winning. That's something they even had in the losing years before that. It doesn't feel like there's accountability right now. It just doesn't. And you mentioned, you know, a couple of plays here and there. Like, obviously, Ingram stepping out. Obviously, the play after that. Everyone will point to that. But how about when the team is two yards away from a touchdown and you have too many men in the huddle? And, boy, I mean, Dennis Allen, that's something else. Well, it's just something we got to get cleaned up. Bro, it's December. It's week 13, you know? And, and, and I, yeah, obviously, you look to a coach to be accountable, but a coach has to make players accountable and, and all kind of stuff. I, I'm not in the facility. I don't. Maybe maybe they're being more accountable than when they than we think they are, mm-hmm. but but probably not. Let's be real. I mean, Sean Payton had everyone being accountable, including himself. And I, I don't. I just don't get the sense that there's a lot of accountability on this team. And when there's not account, you know, when you have accountability, it's not just about 
you know, trying to, to right a wrong or being afraid to make a mistake. No, it's, it's not. That's what people look at it on, on the surface. But it becomes a deeper core of a team to where they don't want to let their teammates down. Like, and that's just part of the locker room. That's part of the culture. And they all want to hold one another accountable. And they don't, you know, as much as they don't want to be in a situation where they're holding themselves accountable or a teammate accountable, the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. And then it's just, it's part of the deal. But we've, we heard early in the season, you know, I mean, Kamara, the last time he decided to talk to the press, he, that's what he said, right? You know, we, we would, we'd make mistakes in practice and, you know, in the past, we would, said nothing, we, no. would keep, we'd keep, we'd keep going until we fixed it. And now no one's saying anything. You know, Mark Ingram on, on I don't remember what podcast or, or what TV show two months ago, like with Sean Payton, man, he would give us that look when we'd fall. I was scared. Well, what are you now? You know, and, and these, these are just little peaks from the outside. Right. But I, I think I think that's why you have to make a change in the offseason. I don't know that a new coach is going to fix everything, but there has to be accountability in the locker room. Yeah. There has to be accountability for what happened on Monday night because that was a debacle. You know, along your lines of what you're saying, I'm speaking with Scott Prather, 103.3 The Goats and in Lafayette. I think one of the things that really stood out along what you were just saying just now, like think of Dable's effect with the Giants, right? Um, even McDaniels, um, or Josh Daniels, rather. Um, you know, what what he's been able to do uh, in Miami, not Josh, Mike McDaniels. So, I mean, I'm like, I'm looking Mike at, McDaniels. Yeah, yeah, Mike McDaniels. So I'm looking at, you know, guys that have come in and, and you can make that impact. And, and, and you know, I, I like I said, I, you bring up a good point, though, is just changing a coordinator or changing coach going to do it? I don't know, but I fear what the worst case situation would be. And I think the worst is denying what possibly could be an obvious thing or a quick fix. And I guess what I'm, I'm saying is this. I'm sitting there last uh, on Monday night. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, and then yesterday when he says, uh, yeah, they made a mistake and it kind of felt like they were, you know, throwing maybe P. Carmichael under the bus or whatever. And a, he's an easy scapegoat. But Matt Rule and the Panthers situation came to my mind several times in the last two days where that man fired everybody and blamed everybody and everything in a culture. And you heard after he was gone, even from players and people that covered him, it, it, was, oh. it was not the right fit and he was in over his head or whatever. Now, I'm not just, I'm not saying that's DA. I'm just saying what would be worse is well, it's this coordinator, it's this coach, and all that, because at the end of the day, you're going to have to address the quarterback situation. Do you trust that a Saints defensive coordinator, that's your head coach now, is the guy to lead that in a way? Because you obviously yesterday said you don't have faith in the play calling. I mean, that, that's what you yeah. said. So No, he, I, I, don't, were, I don't trust Dennis Allen with any kind of right. offensive stuff. But, right. But, it, it, but it, and if you're the head coach, you've got to trust your OC to do it. The way Sean Payton used to be like, look, I'm going to hire a DC. They need to do a job. I'm going to, I'm going to be more hands off in that regard. Um, Dennis Allen has to do that from an, you know, just vice versa, right? His focus is on the defense. And then you've got Pete Carmichael, who clearly he doesn't trust, who clearly is not the, the offense. It's weird. Like they're, they're aggressive at the wrong times. And then the obvious times where they need to be aggressive, they don't. But as a head coach, you're the one deciding when to go for it on fourth down and what not to. So that's not all on the OC. And and it seems like every time they've been fourth and short this year, in fact, I mean, the, the numbers are, are factual. When it's been fourth and one or fourth and two and you're in field goal range, instead of going for a touchdown or going for a first down, he's kicked the field goal all five times. You know, Sean Payton, that, that wasn't how he operated. Now, I'm, I'm just... I'm bringing that up as an example of, sure. you know what, he doesn't trust his OC, and then when it comes time for him to actually make a decision offensively, mm-hmm. like whether to go for it or not, or or, or as he said, I, sh- I should have stepped in and called the run play on that third and one when Dalton <laughs> decided to throw it to Cowley for some reason. I mean, this is a guy that's, that's unsure of himself, that doesn't know what to do with the offense. So, no, I would not trust right. them. That's I think you need to hire an offensive-minded coach if, they're, if that coach is going to be a decision-maker, and you would like them to be, if, you're going to, if you are going to move in a new direction with a new quarterback. And it might not, it might not fix it, but I think 
I think trusting Dennis Allen with that process is bad. Look, clearly the guy's a good defensive coordinator. There's sure. no question. Yeah. But he's what? Four, he's, he's 12 and 39, I think, as a head coach. That's, that ain't good. Or, or 12 and, and, and yeah. 40 maybe now. I don't know. It, it, we, you can look at, you can look at Oakland and say, well, you know, Al Davis was older and when he was older, there, there was a lot of stuff wrong with that franchise. I did it. I said that. I'm like, maybe he's ready to be the head coach now. There's mm-hmm. continuity. Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like me and a whole bunch of people were saying the promotion of Dennis Allen was Wasn't the, the right move. fit. Right, right. I mean, but I, but I can look at it now and say, I was wrong. It was the wrong move. Can Gail Benson do that? Can Mickey Loomis do that? I think they're going to need to. And, I, again, I don't know that there's a perfect fix. I don't know there's a coach that fixes it all. I just know that what we're seeing this year, Gus, I think it's a large enough sample size to know it ain't going to work next year. Yeah. I mean, look, to your point, it, it could still even be a defensive guy. Look what Salah has done with Mike White, right, with with, with the Jets. I mean, yeah, Brock Why? Purdy. Because he's got the locker room. Well, right? he, he listened bingo. to the locker room. I mean, Brock room. Purdy I mean, sliced up the fish. He was the last pick of the NFL draft. If you're a good coach and a good system, you can make players work, which is going back to what you said when we start this conversation. Inexplicable that guys that sell jerseys aren't making plays and aren't locked in. That's that's reflective of who's leading them. I've taken most of your time up. Um, give me a minute, dude. The Pels, an important stretch coming up. You're going to face the Suns three times in, like I don't know, six, nine games or so. Twice this weekend, you have the Pistons who knocked down 19 threes last night in a win over Miami. Every night you got to bring it, dude, but... You're entering tonight's game a half game out of first. And and, and Phoenix, I think, is playing Boston tonight. So, yeah. you know, uh, it, 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 it's exciting times, man. Take care of business tonight and then bring it. There's familiarity there. There's some animosity based off of the playoff series last year. There's two games and two – they're playing the Suns three times in eight days. That's it. Dude. I mean – you talk about kind of getting in the mindset of when you're in a playoff series and you have to face a really good team often, you get you kind of get like a little, you know, dress rehearsal this weekend with Phoenix and then to an extent next weekend. So I, uh, I, I'm i all about it, man. I, You know, it's my mom's birthday Friday, so I can't go into the game Friday night despite getting an invite to a suite. So I'm a little chapped whoa, about that. Whoa. I'm going to try to be at the game Sunday with my son. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it off, but I, I just I would love to be there, man, because that yeah. that that atmosphere. The fans are bringing it at, at, at the Blender, man. Shout out to all the Pels fans. They're bringing it this year. I'll tell you what, for the next five days, I will be living in that footprint, sir. Game tonight, game Friday, state championships for Brother Martin Saturday. I'll be in a suite for that with Mr. Scott Craig. And uh, and also, of course, Sunday, Pels and Suns. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it, D. We'll talk soon. All the best. See you, Looking forward to it. Didn't even ask about Contreras, my catcher for the Cubs, going to the Cardinals. Aaron Judge, 300-plus million to stay with the Yankees. Sports Hangover next on ESPN New Orleans. Take my hands, my dear, and look me in my eyes. Just like a monkey, I've been dancing my whole life. It's the big finner sales event right now at Southland Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups or their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right one should be easy. Get more for your business with a new Ram trucker van at Southland Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become a part of something bigger and join the team. We're currently hiring for drivers, warehousemen, riggers, crane operators, and forklift operators to work out of Port Fouchon. So apply now at danos.com or call 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. If your business needs serious hustle, our internet has plenty. Switch to Rev Business All Fiber Internet with fiber optic velocity close to the speed of light. Sign up and get three months free and 30% off. Build your plan at letsrev.biz. Let's Rev. Whoever said you can't have it all, never had internet that could do it all. Switch to Rev. No contracts, no data caps, no nonsense. It's the high-speed internet you need. 
Build your plan at Let'sRev.com. Let's Rev. Simply free. Don't those two words go together nicely? Especially when they describe the very best in daily money management. At SL Bank, our Simply Free checking account provides you the tools you need to manage your account and to make life a little easier. Want to know more about Simply Free checking? Just talk with us today at SL Bank. Member FDIC. The man that likes to talk. Now, back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill on ESPN 100.3 FM and ESPN 1003.com. Nick Harrison, a.k.a. The Professor. 800-998-1003. And join us as well. Be a part of the conversation. Nick, myself, and we'll take your phone calls on the Upper Cervical Family Chiropractic Hotline. Nick, how are you today? I'm doing well, sir. It was an arm day, so I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I think Saints fans are kind of, you know, have heard it all here. But when you see the Ian Rappaport report that Mark Ingram had a slight MCL tear. Now, look, you don't have an MRI machine on the sideline. You can't tell. Which is even more though why I just sit there and say, man, if if you know he was hurting it, I mean, I, any play where I see you're you're grabbing your knee, a few plays later, I don't know if that's who I'm going to, you know. Now, granted, mm-hmm. coach says he was uh medically cleared to come in, and as a coach, you can only go by what your staff says and and go by what your player says. You know, he probably felt something, but he felt he could go. It, it just it kind of. It kind of just snapshots the season, doesn't it? I think if we heard, like, in the next couple of days that whoever medically cleared him was fired, I think like, – because this might be another Tua situation where Tua, Tua was medically cleared and then a couple of days later, oh, yeah, that doctor's gone. He's fired. Like, if we heard that, then that would kind of give us an idea. Like, that would really be a microcosm of the same thing. I mean, I literally like, text immediately. I think it was even you. I, I text like five people. I'm like, I think Ingram's done. I mean, you see him clearly grabbing mm-hmm. that part of the knee. We've all seen it enough that when a player immediately goes to it, you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. You know? And, that's trouble. And like I said, that's why, like I said, I, I'm not even. It's, it's the same to- thing that happened with Von Miller. The same thing happened with Von Miller. We and hear today that Von Miller is out for the season. Yeah. By the, the way, Roy texted me Miller. to tell you that your season is done. See, you know what? I sent out a tweet this morning saying that if you – the first thing you think of when you see the news that Von Miller is out for the season is that, oh, well, the Bills season is done, then you got your priorities wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm sending prayers up for Von Miller and hoping that he gets a speedy <laughs> recovery and right. is healthy and gets better. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, these are still human beings that we're talking about. We focus so much on the team and on the the the, the, the wins and the losses, and championships and blah blah blah. At the end of the day, these are still people. And you know, it I just I hope he gets better soon. And Roy, you know what? See you in two weeks, buddy. Oh that's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one. You're a baseball Saturday fan. Saturday night. Are you a baseball fan? I am. All right. I um, do. You have a team? The Strohs. So, you know, our best player for the Cubs, Contreras, he's now a Cardinal. Yeah. Don't really know how to I feel that. about that. It's essentially like, you know, the, the bully. I thought about you and the Scotty guy you as soon as I saw it. I was high like, school, oh. marrying your ex-wife. I mean, that's exactly what it feels like to me, whatever. Um, <laughs> Tomorrow's going to be so much fun with you and him talking about that. Oh, <laughs> Good thing, oh, we'll, boy. you know what? Good thing will be at Brother Martin tomorrow. I found out earlier this morning they've invited <laughs> us back. They're you know playing Why? for the state. They're, they're they're playing for the state title. Oh yeah, that's right. So you know tomorrow's show will be about a, a possible state championship. And uh, every time he starts to talk about the Cardinals, I'll just I'll transition to like football. <laughs> you know, um, but he signed a five year, eighty seven and a half million dollar deal. Okay, I think he's one of the better catchers. I, it makes sense a lot for them. There's a lot of talk this morning, though, about the other d- big news, and that's Aaron uh-huh. Judge staying in New York. Nine years, $360 million. I think I did the math earlier. $127 million difference is what he made by betting on himself. Remember, at the beginning of the season, 
they had offered him a contract and he turned it down. It was seven years south of 300. So, yeah, about 150 million more is what ESPN is saying. Essentially, nearly 150 is what he wound up making for that. I, I thought Colin Coward this morning said it best. In the NBA, in the NFL, you pay that kind of money. Josh Allen, as he said, you, you have the ball in his hands a ton, right? In the mm-hmm. NBA, Labubu, Zion, I mean, they can single-handedly make an impact and, and change the trajectory of your franchise or win you a game. In baseball, and I love baseball, but you know how I feel about this with the new CBA. Not having a salary cap, I think, is killing them. All the different, you know, lack of ways to watch games and stuff. It's just, there's a lot that they could be doing better. But here's a case where it's like the Mike Trout thing. You're going to pay this guy this much. And I'm not saying he doesn't earn it, deserve it. Hey, man, you can get it, get it. But how are you going to get pitchers? How are you going to get relief pitchers, closers, middle infielders, guys that get hits? I mean, as he said this morning, He's going to give you four at-bats a game, more than likely, right? That, that's what's guaranteed, more than likely. Four at-bats, and he plays one position. Like, that's it, you know? And I, that's a lot, dude, and I, well, you know, it's not. Gus, I'll put it to you like this, man. Like, you're a baseball fan like yep. I'm a baseball fan, so you get it. We've watched the Yankees do things like this our entire lives. You, you And you say they give them all this money, so how are they going to afford pitching? How are they going to afford Fielding, how are they going to afford a good catcher? Yeah. It's the Yankees. How are they going to afford it? They're the Yankees. They're just going to pay for it. Like, I, I, I mean, I get what people are saying. Like, you know, you give him all of this money. How are you going to afford all these other things? And is he really worth it? Did they overpay him? Did they pay him too much? Right. We can debate that until the cows come home. At the end of the day, somebody was going to give him the money because it's baseball. And baseball overpays everybody. They throw money at every single guy that they want just to have them. Yeah. And the Yankees are not just in a war for players. They're in a war for the, the war for the front page, for the back page, for the sports page. Verlander just went to the Mets. Yep. They had to make a splash. Had to make a splash. So they threw the house at Aaron Judge in part to get him back in the fold, but also in order to win the media war in New York, which is always prevalent with sports teams in that area. Mike Trout, by the way, is the largest, $426 million over 12 years. Mookie Betts mm-hmm. with the Dodgers, 365 over 12. Judge, 360 over 9. Francisco Lador of the Mets, 341 over 10. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea of that. I want to ask you quickly, we got about two minutes left. Something Scott said we were chatting to, he doesn't necessarily know if changing the coach is going to do a, a bigger thing with the Saints because you have so many other issues. And I agree with that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, if I bring in somebody like, but I do think, like, how much, since this is a lot of players that, this isn't a young team or rookie team, you know? So, yeah. I, I think, I think a culture change or a, a fresh set of eyes or something like that, I think would be able to, to make a difference. I don't know. How, how much do you think changing staffs completely or just coordinators would make the difference? Coaching makes a big difference in football. I think it makes more of a difference in college football than it does in pro football, but coaching does make a bit of a difference, especially because it's a culture change. Like you bring in that culture change, you change the culture of the locker room. I don't know, like, to hear these players talking, like, in press conferences, you know, I was cutting, uh, sound last night of, uh, uh Demario Davis and Marcus May and, uh, all these guys talking after the game, uh, on Monday. And, you know, they, you know, they talk in the game. They say, you know, we, we got dogs on this team. You know, there's no quit in this team. We're still going to keep playing. But you hear their tone and their inflection. And I know it's right after a very heartbreaking loss, but it's, it's, it sound, it sound is deflated. It's real deflated because this is something that's continuously happening with the Saints over and over again. They say to themselves, well, we're doing all the things that we need to do to win, but we're not winning. Like you have three minutes left in the game. And you're up by a decent amount, and you still can't get the job done. Now, I know it's Tom Brady, but we've seen Tom Brady this season. Tom Brady is not the same Tom Brady that we've known. Mm-hmm. He pulled out that Tom Brady magic one more time 
to get that win against the Saints. But they had been playing so well all game long. It's just that you, they didn't finish. And that's been a problem with the Saints in part for this part for this season is that they haven't been able to finish strong when they've needed to. So it's and that that and the words of the great head coach that stings. <laughs> it sucks. So it's it's hard. It, it's hard to kind of combat that kind of stuff, man. But culture is a big deal. So changing out coaches, I think, is it, it helps out uh, a lot, a big a big amount. And look, here's the thing. I mean, the last two weeks you've seen the defense play well. You know, go focus on the defense, bring in somebody to run the offense. I guess I, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, just since you called it, that. yeah, it stings. It sucks. There it is. Yeah. Stings. It sucks. All right, professor, we'll talk to you at one forty-five. Sports over on ESPN New Orleans. At Thibodeau Regional Wellness Center, we're improving the health and well-being of the region, one person at a time, and this means. More game time.